What about a couple of the sort of, I'll call them like mid-generation guys? They're not as young as some of the newer players, but they've been around a while, like Danny and 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 and, and Lige, who play key roles on your own album. Um, well, Lodge is another one who's like, Lodge has been around for, you know, as long as like Blackbird or anybody like that, that I can remember. So Lodge is like another one of my unks, you know what I mean? And Lodge is actually, when I first came back out on the road, Lodge was like the one who was pulling me aside, like, man, you need to do an album. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he was the one. You know what I'm saying? And and also, you know, the first one to say, and when you do that, let me know. You know what I mean? I'm here to help. You know, so when I finally got around to it, I called on him and he was glad to do it. You know, and uh, same thing for Danny, man. You know, Danny's pretty, you know, pretty good with that. You know, if I need some help with anything, you know, he's always willing to lend a hand, you know, and sometimes, you know, I can return the favor for him. You know what I mean? And, you know, Danny's really awesome. You know, Danny's been playing boards for so long. You know what I mean? So he pretty much is the keyboard at this point. You know, he can close his eyes and, you know, almost, you know, yeah, you know, he can get it in now. And, you know, yeah, he had another one who's, you know, doc, you know, he could be a doctor at his, of his instrument, man. He, you know, can pretty much mimic a lot of styles or you know kind of adapt to any styles you know what i mean and can do a lot of different things you know what i mean he's just got a lot of knowledge of this instrument and a lot of knowledge of music so you know and he's more of a he's more of a goofy funny cat than he is eccentric you know he's he's a little less eccentric and just more of a clown <laughs> you know what i'm saying but you know in the good sense of the word though you know he's funny man he's always clowning around <clears throat> so we're talking about some of the players on your record so let's continue on that when did you start working on this and how did it progress and finally come to fruition for you? Well, I started working on it in August. And uh, like I said, it was something that I had been trying to, um, something that I had been trying to do from the time that my father actually passed away. Uh, but um, like I said, my first attempt, though, you know, I, I dealt with some folks who uh, had to end up having to shut their studio down shortly thereafter. So at that point it just basically became a thing of really you know i wish i needed needed a studio and not you know i couldn't really afford to rent studio time you know what i mean and what i was trying to do you know it, it almost felt like it would have been pointless to you know buy five hours here you know and then buy another five hours there to work on this when i can afford it you know what i mean at, at that rate you know it would have took me 10 years to do an album you know, so I knew that I needed a, a studio that I could be in at at my convenience, first and foremost, to record it like I wanted to. And it came down to a point where, you know what, I need my own studio, basically. So at that point, it became a thing of, you know, actually being able to afford to put my own studio together, which it took me a while to be able to do that on up till last August. So when I finally broke down, was able to get the last little bit of pieces that I needed for my own studio and put it together, I immediately went to recording. Immediately, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, immediately. 
went to recording. I started in August. Sugar Rush was the first song that I recorded. It was the first thing that I put down and worked on. And, you know, as I would, and the way I do it, as I, I, I will put down a song, I will start wherever I start. I will go in on that idea for as far as ideas pour off of me from it. So that, uh, what I mean is if I start with a bass line, usually a bass line, I hear a keyboard part, I might hear a guitar part, and I might even hear the drums, right? So I'm going to put all of that down. And in the midst of me putting down some of these other parts, who knows what else I might start hearing. I might hear a hook. I might hear a line. I might hear a concept for a song. You know, the, the, the melodies of what I'm doing might give me a concept idea and might give me something to write on. Who knows? I exhaust those ideas for as, as far as they go, and then I move on to the next thing. And that's what I did in August. I started on Sugar Rush, went as far as I could, moved on to, I think, Bop Gun was actually the second song in that order, just like it is on the record. And then from there, you know, I started to kind of learn my equipment, get my flow, you know, uh, the band happened to come through one of those uh, uh, one of those months while I was working on it when I was really able to get Lodge and Danny. Some of the other stuff I did, I sent it to them and they worked on it at their homes. And as I got their parts back, you know what I mean? I just, you know, it all just kind of a gradual process, you know? And then I had down basically the foundation for all eight songs. Uh, I basically had the eight songs down by... September, October-ish, I had basically all eight songs down, not finished, but at least concepts, some of them basically finished, some of them just concepts, some of them just melodies, you know, but they were all there and structured is what they were, you know what I mean? So we were still on tour. We went to, uh, we went to Asia around Thanksgiving last year, and then when we came back from there, we were off until February. So what I did was when I came home from Asia uh, in December, I sat in the airport. I was, uh, Amp Fiddler was out with us that time. I sat in the airport with Amp Fiddler and Mudbone waiting on the flight and we were just talking, 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 talking. And I remembered them talking specifically, Amp saying, talking about how I remember when I was in the band out here with George and I, you know, I was having kind of a tough time and, you know, it, you know, things just were not going right in it, but everything all of a sudden just turned around for me when I decided to record my own album. He said, I recorded my own album. Next thing I know, I ended up on my own tour bus in Europe somewhere and doing my own tours and this, that, and the third. And I just remembered all of that sitting in the airport, listening to them two cats talk and getting on the plane saying, man, I got to finish this damn album, man. I got to finish this album. So I took all of December and I put all finishing touches on whatever was left. I crammed it. I didn't leave out of this studio until basically, you know, whatever it was I was working on, I didn't leave out of the studio basically at that point until it was almost, till it was finished. You know, I took all of December and completed it. So then from there, it was just about getting it mixed and mastered, you know, and lucky for me, since I went to perform in our art school, I have friends who are kind of into the certain fields that I needed, you know, I, in particular, uh, Zachariah McGant, somebody who I went to high school with, 
um he's the guy who mixed it you know what i mean he we just happened to you know he saw me online saw my venture and he reached out and you know he contributed to mixing and mastering uh um uh, Mark Jetter, who was also wrote Nightcat with me, he did the, uh, a bulk of the work on the album cover. Somebody else who I went to high school with, Keith Marshall, who wrote a lot of those songs with me. He, somebody that I went to high school with, you know. So between those guys and the, you know, my P Funk cats, we made it happen. I did most of the vocal work myself, you know, and I, I needed lady voices. So for that, I incorporated my mother um uh, uh miss betty jackson uh who is george's niece um and my daughter actually even contributed on some on one on bop god she sang on you know so i said it was all really just kind of a feeling out process and me really the whole thing was me learning a lot about myself as an artist is really what it was you know what i mean i was just kind of you know experimenting and putting things out there and seeing where you know like uh what do you say uh putting down a uh just dropping a spade you know dropping a card and seeing what the next play was and then taking it from there you know i was just basically playing you know playing playing chest or checkers or whatever you want to call it you know that's all i was doing you know let me see what that does oh i like that that's you know what if i do this on top of that then I'll have, ooh, and then when I do that, now I'm here, and then, you know, and it was just that for four months, just wow. me doing that. Me well, doing congratulations. That. I think it's a tremendous uh, debut, especially. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I appreciated it. So, you know, you know when, you were, when you were doing it, how much, because, uh, you know, it's clearly when you listen to it, if you didn't know and you just went to it blindfolded, and you're familiar at all with P-Funk, I think you'd have a pretty good guess that it's P-Funk related in some way. So how much of that was you consciously sort of trying to have that vibe versus just organically? Well, I definitely wanted to have that vibe, you know, because, because what I wanted it to be. You know, this was my introduction to, you know, to essentially the funk crowd. You know what I mean? This is what I've, decided to, you know, delve into when I decided to, you know, kind of walk in dad's shoes, you know what I mean, and and talk to his crowd. You know, well, I know what his crowd has been is once, you know what I mean? That's what they want. You know, that's what they like. So I consciously definitely wanted to make a funk a funk record. That's what I wanted it to make, wanted it to be. And I wanted it to be as much of the aesthetic as I could make it. You know what I mean? In particular you know, like I said, I wanted to hone in on a lot of the things that I knew my da dad did in contributing to some of those Parliament Funkadelic records. You know what I mean? I wanted to really delve into a lot of that stuff, you know, because he wrote on a lot of that stuff, you know, even produced some, you know, co-produced on a lot of that stuff, mm -hmm. you know, played guitar on a lot of stuff that people swear is like Eddie or, you know, you know, he, he like I said, very much unsung and un underrated. Even some of the other Westbound stuff, too. It's not exactly, exactly. You know, a lot of that stuff uh, in certain eras is him, you know. But um, so that was that was really the point. And then I also kind of wanted to make sure that I kind of in some way touched all popular styles of P-Funk, you know what I mean? 
I wanted some of it to sound kind of parliament-ish. I wanted some of it to sound kind of vintage funkadelic. I wanted some of it to sound kind of new age, Junie funkadelic. You know what I mean? I, I wanted to try to, you know, I wanted to explore in all of that. Because that's all I hear when I do my music, you know, because that's what I was raised to hear. You did, know? Did, you ever, did you ever meet Junie? Ju Junie? Yeah, did you ever meet not, not as a Not necessarily as an adult, you know, I mean, I can remember meeting him as a kid, of course, you know, when I wouldn't have known or cared in the world, you know, yeah. right, but not knowing, you know, never had a chance to be like, oh, so just can I pick your brain on it? You know, never that, yeah. never that. Well, I think it's to your great uh, credit, Garrett, that, you know, you touched on all those P-Funk elements, but, and I, and I mentioned the review, it doesn't sound like you're copying it, though. It, it's like, it pays tribute to it, but it's not just, you know, a copy. Right, right, so, yeah, very much me. That's not, that's not easy to do, I don't think. Well, like I said, man, I was raised to do this, this way. I'm going to tell you, the main thing, and this is my opinion, but this is my biased opinion from someone inside looking in, <laughs> so to speak. Um, the, 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 the thing about this music that really comes across to so many people and really grasps people the way it does is the kind of freedom to kind of do what you do without being discouraged about it. You know, whether it's, um, am I, I don't know if I'm necessarily even explaining that right. Um, what I'm trying to say is, um, the beauty in funk is in kind of you being you. You know what I mean? Like this, a lot of the beauty and a lot of this music is in the imperfections or the unrehearsed shit. Rough you know edges. Man? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the way the beauty is in a lot of this music. You know what I mean? So even when I was doing rap music, I did rap music with the mindset of, being p-funk with it not being a rapper necessarily not you know like not necessarily being a gangster rapper or you know just a rapper like you know not necessarily doing that you know like the what i'm getting at is i guess the beauty in this thing is the you is, is it has a uniqueness that can't necessarily be touched you can't necessarily put your finger on what exactly that uniqueness is you know, because for them to be able to touch so many genres, you know, country music, folk music, rock music, funk music, dance music, for them to be able to do all of that, but still maintain the aesthetic, the aesthetic is in here. You know what I'm saying? Like the aesthetic is just something that they're just naturally gifted with. You know what I'm saying? So, it, it, And then... Well, the, the aesthetic is also in the attitude that you bring to it. You know what I'm saying? So I've always kind of peeped that, that it's more so not necessarily in the music that you make. It's not necessarily about making an exact carbon copy of P-Funk, but can you carbon copy the feeling that you get from P-Funk music? You know, the kind of 
happy-go-lucky message that comes from P-Funk music. You know what I mean? The kind of, uh, I, you know, like I say, I got a thing. You know, and 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 you know, and 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 if I do my thing with confidence, and you know, do my thing on the one, y'all gonna love it. You know what I mean? And I could be doing country music, but as long as I do it with that thing, you know, then y'all gonna, you know, that that thing is what's me. Is what I'm getting at. I realize that you gotta have a certain uniqueness that comes with this, and I peep that. So I've always incorporated that, even in my rap music. I've always set out to be like you know not how would necessarily how would jay-z do it but hmm how would you know george and them say this you know uh, as far as you know like my raps were always the same thing they were always kind of uh i, I used to like to deal with you know puns and you know trying to be very witty and you know comedy and you know stuff like that as opposed to necessarily even when i was talking you know trying to be necessarily really gangster in my raps I was still always trying to bring it across in a lighthearted, humorous kind of way. You know what I mean? So that's what I get. You know what I mean? You got, if you make people feel good when they listen to you, you know, make people, you know, you make people feel good and, and do your thing with confidence. You're going to always draw people to you. And it's something about that confidence that just, you know, uh, you know, that, that is something about George's confidence that he can, he could walk out on stage, you know, butt naked if he wanted to. And everybody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And and everybody's just going to be like, oh, fuck, man, I love it. You know, he came out there naked, man. It's the greatest thing ever. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, that's the kind of thing that, like, I don't even think I could pull that off, you know? Like, that's why I don't wear, I'm not going to wear the diaper. You know what I mean? Like, that's dad's thing. You know, that's a good that's, decision. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, well, my thing is that's dad's thing, though. You know, yeah. like my reason for that is that's his thing. It worked for him. You know, what I mean, he pulled that off. Now, I've seen a lot of people, especially at our shows, who come to a gig, come to the gig in the diaper as well, in tribute. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen anybody wear that diaper and not look like a total silly fucking fool. My dad is the only person I've ever seen be able to wear that thing, and it's the fucking coolest thing you've ever seen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even my friends who were my peers who, you know, grew up not necessarily knowing about P-Funk, and, you know, they would come to shows with me and see that for the first time. It was not like, ah your father's wearing a diaper. It was not that. You know what I'm saying? It was, and, and, and I had, talking about, I got friends who were hardcore jokesters who will, you know, laugh at the mole on your face, you know what I'm saying, in front of everybody. Point at it and and then after finish doing that, yeah, hey man, you know I love you. You know, yeah, I got these kind of friends. Would see that for the first time and their reaction was, dog, your father got on a diaper. That is the coolest, your father is the coolest motherfucker I have ever seen in my life, dog. You know, that that's because that worked for him. That's his thing and i get that you know did, what i mean did, did he ever uh tell you how he put that on for the first time how that happened do you have any uh, idea i don't think i've necessarily gotten the first time what i do know is i know he wasn't the first one to do it i know george wore it before and i also believe harold 
Bean wore it as well. Mm. So it was just kind of something. I think they just, you know, like I, I believe, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but from the, the looks of it, I believe that in the very early days of this, they probably just had, you know, a costume box. And it was just kind of about, you know what I mean? I'm going to be the clown today. I'm going to be the Indian today. You know what I'm saying? Well, this is my thing, and I like this, so I'm going to do this. Yeah, like a, a, the Osmium cover. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it was that kind of thing, and I think <laughs> that the diaper just kind of chose him, I think, is what happened. That's what I think happened. I think the diaper chose him. I and think. Then, and then when he put it on, though, the rest, everyone else was probably like, okay, that's it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Or, you know, who knows? Probably all the girls were like, oh, look at him. He did, ah. You know what I'm saying? And he, for whatever reason, you know, it ended up being his thing. But I, like I said, the diaper chose him, man. It chose him. And it, and, it, and it tried out a few folks in the band, but it eventually settled in on this is the guy who should be doing this one. So I got to tell you, the first three tracks on the album are killer, especially. I mean, you mentioned you recorded them in sequence. The third one is Hard Pill. You know, once I think, you know, those three hit you and how can you not like succumb to the entire thing, whatever comes next. I mean, the rest is great, too. But Thanks. those three especially are really powerful. I appreciate you, bro. Now, those were, um, well, I, you know what? Bob Gun was probably my least favorite of all of them. Funny as that is. It's the most up tempo. Yeah, and you know, I and and not to come off like no hate or anything, but honestly, I love the Minneapolis bands, but I have not, I'm not always a fan of the four to the floor Minneapolis style kind of thing. I'm not always a fan of that, you know what I'm saying? But I get why that comes across because it's so easy to dance to, you know what I mean? So I went there, and you know, like, like I said, it was the second song that I finished, but it was at it was a no, it was the second song that I that I started working on, but it was probably one of the absolute last songs that I actually finished. And that ended up being because I had most of the parts on there when I first started recording on it. And I and and it was, you know, it's a long track, as you see, right? So I had this long track and I had basically just maybe covered about two minutes of it. And it was like, man, you know, what I mean, I don't even know how many ways, you know, or how long I can keep on going on with like that voice or that, you know, it's it's, it's coming out. It's cool for the first two minutes. I like it. But I got a feeling if I write a third verse or even a fourth verse like that, that it might get lost in translation. You know, what I mean, but it's still all this time in the track. What do I do? So I then knew that I was going to do a, some solos. I went ahead and played the one solo and then I had the space and I was going to make that like a saxophone solo, I think. Or, 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 yeah, I, but I did always know I was going to solo in that section, but now it was getting me a while, taking me a while to get the folks on that one. So, and I knew I didn't really dig it like that in the first place. So I just kind of put it on the back burner until last. So when I broke it out finally and finished it, um, I put my daughter on. She sang a couple of them parts. I put the girls' parts on there. And uh, I got Danny and his piano on there. And he played that piano solo. And um, once I started hearing it back at that point, it started kind of, you know, hearing sounded like kind of a new song to me. And I started kind of like, oh, you know what? 
this is not so, you know it's not such a bad song well uh, even more to my surprise that's actually probably been the most popular song on the record it's the one that everybody that has listened to my record is the one one song that's the one song that everybody mentions as one of their songs on that record is bob gun and that's another thing that my dad told me it's usually the songs that you are the least yeah, the, the, your least favorite songs are usually the ones that end up being the most popular ones. Silly public. <laughs> How about that? So, are you working on a new record already, or what's what's happening there? Uh, well, as I said, when I worked on that first one, was really, you know, really experiencing having my own studio for the first time. That's my very first, also my my first solo record ever. You know what I mean? It's, that's my first, this has all been a very first venture for me. So I'm learning about myself as a musician and an artist, and I'm learning uh, something as far as pace and recording as, uh, as opposed to also being on the road right so i got this record out in the midst of us getting ready to be spending most of this year on tour and lo and behold that's what we've done we spent most of this year on tour and when i leave out of here we got the next i won't be back home until probably november right so with that being said i know that i started recording on this record hand me down diapers in august you know what i mean and now august has passed it's been a year you know so what I did not want to do was just kind of lay back and, you know, try to bask on the glory of hand-me-down diapers, whatever that, com you know, comes of that and get complacent. I didn't want to do that, <clears throat> you know. So now how this P-Funk thing generated all of this music, they record it all the time, man. And, you know, it's not like they went in and recorded with a plan, well, we're going to record you know, I got this album, Motor Booty Affair, so we got to go in and record six songs for Motor Booty Affair. And they all got to, you know, and this is the concept of it, and they all got to, they didn't necessarily do it that way. They just recorded. They just recorded. Whoever was there, they recorded. They determined where it was going to go after the fact. You know, Prince, I mean? another guy who did that. Exactly. You determine where it's going to go after the fact. You know what I mean? So that's basically what I'm, you know, I'm just kind of throwing it out there to keep excitement going that, yeah, definitely time to start working on the next one. But the next project is not already in planned stages or anything like that. It's in, I say what I'm doing right now is recording music with plans of starting to prepare to put out another record. That's what I'm doing. Do, do you anticipate it will be similar or different? Um, I'm going to anticipate that I'm going to try to be a little different, but it's going to come out similar. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Uh, like, you know why I say that? You know, my song Nightcap, when me and Mark wrote that song, we came into the studio with the intentions of doing a EDM track because I kept saying, man, EDM music is a thing right now, man. I need to do an EDM track and I'll probably really take off. So we went in with the, the, the mindset and plans of doing an EDM song. 
And after laying the drum beat, which is after laying the for the foundation of it, you know, I said to Rollo, I was like, bruh, I don't give a damn what kind of music I try to come in here and do. It just always ends up having some kind of a funk twist on it, man. I just, you know, I it so that's what I do, bro. You know what I mean? So that's why I say I'm gonna attempt to do something different, I bet you. But I will guarantee you that it's probably going to have the same aesthetic because that's well, what I learned. Even Shake the Gate has a little EDM influence, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, George is purposely trying to do that. You know what I mean? And he makes he makes a conscious effort to to delve into all of those genres by dealing with people who who delve in, who deal within those genres. You know. And that's the difference in him and me trying to do that, you know. So him doing an EDM track, he gonna go find the EDM DJ who does that, you know. what I'm saying and produce with them, and me trying to do an EDM track, I'm gonna go in and call myself. Well, I think it's a one, two, three, four thing, and then I put my thing down, and then you know, after I've done my thing, then it's anything but EDM. It's funk, you know. what I'm saying like, damn, there it is again, funk. You know, like I've done sessions with a lot of my cats around here who are R&B-ish and jazz. And, you know, I come in and maybe lay some stuff and they always got to tell me, like, maybe you should just, you know, play some chords right here. Or just, I don't know, that's just, you know, a little too funky. Or take the phaser off of it, maybe, and maybe no wah-wah, you know. Too funky is not in my vocabulary. Yeah, well, you know what? Too <laughs> funky is too funky for people who ain't used to doing the funk. <laughs> I've seen many of uh, top flight music, world renowned musicians step up on the stage with P Funk and look very amateurish. <laughs> so, have you performed any of these songs on a stage and do you plan to from diapers? No, I haven't yet, but yes, I do plan to as soon as I can find me a, you know, a good free amount of time to start putting that aspect of it together you know like i said since this record has been out i've basically i've been on tour since the record has been out you know so i haven't had a chance to really focus on anything else man except for you know trying to keep on promoing and you know i'm trying to find more cats to you know do some write-ups on this record man you know i need all the promo i can get right now you know so that's just where i'm at i'm promo 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 man <laughs> and a good show, good live show would definitely help that right there too you know but like i said i gotta have time to be able to get into it no no chance of a track sneaking into a uh, p-funk set uh you know what i won't never say never never say never just gotta see what you know i gotta work around what george is also trying to do because you know he's got plans and what he's doing with the you know the next generation too and you know, I I I don't want to you know necessarily try to step on anything else he's got going on, and I'm sure he wouldn't allow that. So, um, are are you on? Are you involved at all in the uh, upcoming parliament? Uh, I'm on a couple of tracks, and as far as I know, I don't think he's finished recording it yet. So I still could end up finding my way on a couple of more things. But um, yeah, I, I I've been down there once to record on a couple of tracks you know but he's been doing a lot even since then you know he's been working on this record for a long time so um and, it, and it's going to be good i've heard this record man um it's going to be real good 
um, it's, it's, this here is probably going to be a lot more this to our aesthetic than probably what Shake the Gate was, you know, because Shake the Gate, I think he was really trying to, you know, be a little bit more, you know, you know, like the funk does. He was trying to touch genres, man. He's trying to, you know, throwing a lot of bait out there and trying to see which, you know, which which fish caught on, you know. Right. Yeah. So, Garrett, how would you say is different now with you working with the band and performing on stage as opposed to your first year or so? Um, well, shit, the first year is about you know getting you getting getting you into a rhythm, uh, learning the music because even though I've you know studied and been listening to this music all my life, when you actually get up there and play it, you actually realize that you know like most musicians they hear it a different way than what is actually played you know what i'm saying so a lot of it was getting it's getting through that you know what i mean like unlearning what you already know you know a lot of it is that right there and that's what the first year of it is is you know just unlearning what you already know you know and 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 checking out what you missed you know and then it was kind of different too because now that I'm out here in the band at this point, at that point, as a guitarist, you know, now I'm listening to the music as a guitarist and I'm hearing, you know, now I'm listening to the guitars and, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've always been hearing that. But now that I'm actually listening to the guitar, he's actually playing this right there, you know getting through those little patches you know what i mean is the the, the the you know the the is one major hurdle so you know the first year was just kind of that and getting up to speed you know because um you know i I've, I've never had lessons either you know what i mean so like i said at that point that first year you know i say when i walked into it i'm walking into it you know basically just you know yeah i'm a total baby face walking into it you know what i mean the frying pan yeah exactly you know what i'm saying exactly you know and and you know like i said these cats are sitting up here you know playing rings around anything that steps up here you know and here i am you know afraid to even play the note too loud because it just you know just the way i play the note just didn't sound the way you play you know didn't you know it just didn't sound the same as when you did it you know what i mean so i got to be doing something wrong <laughs> you know you know, just learning to play with confidence, you know, and being able to play with confidence up there with all of that going on. What's a uh, particularly unforgettable memory that you've you've gotten from being on the road with the band? Ooh, man, unforgettable. There's a lot of those, man. I don't know. That's not the kind of thing that I really know how to weed one out. Okay, here's one. Here's, I'll give you two cool ones. Um, I remember uh, I met Bruce Willis out here on the road. This wasn't in this run. This was in my prior run when I was younger, and my dad was still in the band. And um, we were in Montana, and Bruce Willis was in at this club that we were playing at. Now, some years prior to that, the band had played in – uh, Bruce, when he was married to Demi Moore, at their house in Montana, they had a nightclub somewhere on the grounds. And 
Georgia and them had played there some years prior and uh, a couple of band members got in a fight in the club and you know it was just, you know it was a really crazy story but apparently it's like you know they what I'm getting at is they kind of had you know knew Bruce a little bit and kind of you know had, had met him before so like it was my dad who introduced me to him you know but you know this is new for me cuz I've never met him before and you know I just know I've seen like all your movies and you know yeah, Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, you know this. John McClane. Yeah, John McClane. So now we're in the club, and the way he was dressed down, he dressed just like all the other club goers, and dressed so low key. Like if my if my father hadn't introduced me, I would could have bumped right into him, looked at him right in the face, and said, "Excuse me, pal," and would have kept right on walking, and would not have known from a can in the paint that that was Bruce Willis. If my father had not introduced me, that's how, you know, low key, you know, like that's how I see the difference in how difference that Hollywood makes. You know, what I mean, like Hollywood can make you look like a total different cat that you don't look like. You know, what I mean, so it was that, you know, what I mean, so he's out in his party goer thing. And, you know, I guess not necessarily trying to be recognized. So he was not very conspicuous. Right. So my father's, you know, it's, it's a, I'm, we're in the crowd at this time and, you know, I'm young and I'm out here just kind of enjoying it and dancing and just taking it all in and bumping the dad. And he says, oh, there you are. He's like, let me introduce you to somebody. Hey, it's Bruce Willis, you know, and, and, and Bruce Willis turns to me and he says, hi, I'm Bruce. He sounded just like that to me, man. I swear to God. And my first thought in my mind was, was just like what you said. Oh my God! This is John McClane. You know, saying this is this is this is Bruce Willis. You know, he says, "Hi, I'm Bruce." You know, what I mean? so I said, I took his hand. I said, "Yeah, I know exactly who you are, man. I've seen all your movies, man. You know, really, I honored to meet you." Whatever, he shook my hand, and then he says, "Hey, hey come here, come here," and he does me like that. You know, and just kind of waves me over to a corner, and he goes in his pocket. And he says, "Man," and he pulls out some weed. And he says, "Man." I just got this weed, man, and you know what I mean? I haven't even tested it out yet. I don't know if it's any good. And he just pulled a little bud off of it, a, a nice size bud off. He's like, man, I want you to take that, man. Try that out. Tell me what you think of that. You know what I mean? And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. Bruce Willis just gave me marijuana, man. And every, indeed. every time I see him on TV <laughs> when I'm sitting at home with my friends and shit, I'm like, man, let me tell y'all a story about this, about Bruce Willis. I met this motherfucker before. And when I tell them that Bruce Willis gave me weed, these motherfuckers think it's the coolest thing ever. Uh, so that, and then uh, I met Buster Rhymes, man, on a Buster Rhymes. When my very first official tour when I was young, the first, very first official tour that I was on, we were on Smoking Groove, and we were in Camden, New Jersey, <clears throat> and me and my little crew, you know, we used to get to these, whatever city we were at, we would set up, and then we would go find a mall and go shopping and go do what, you know, 19, 20-year-olds do. So we would go do that, right? So Camden, New Jersey, we go do that come back from shopping and it's you know about maybe an hour or so before it's our time time slot to go on walk up on our tour bus it was me my friend kareem and clip's son juan the three of us we walking up on the tour bus just like 
20 year, 19, 20 year olds with a bag full of clothes and just happy go lucky. And we about to go roll some blunts and yeah, yeah, you know. And we walk up on the bus. And as soon as you get up the steps and, you know, get to walk into the back of the bus, sitting right there in the front lounge seat of the bus is Buster Rhymes smoking a blunt looking at the TV and he's watching his performance of himself on Smoking Grooves the year prior at the exact same spot. He's just sitting on the bus, him and his hype man Split Star sitting across from him and they, he's just sitting there just smoking a blunt and just intensely just watching himself, you know, on, on, this, on, on, this, on the TV screen. So now the three of us, we walk up on the bus and like I said, we just as happy-go-lucky teenage kids as, you know, doing our thing and up on the bus with our bags. And I swear, we all walked up on the steps and all of us did the exact same thing. We all walked and we all just kind of kept walking. But as we were walking, we were all just kind of doing double and triple takes. It's like, as we're walking to the back of the bus, all three of us did the same thing, double and triple takes, walking to the back of the bus. And we all just kind of congregated in the back lounge. And it's like, dog, Buster Rhymes is sitting on the bus, man. And he's just sitting up there just smoking the joint, uh, smoking the blunt, dog. It's like, you know, nobody has said a word. We all just walked on the bus and all of us just kind of double take that in and kept going. You know what I'm saying? So now we're all in the back like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's sitting on the bus, dude. Do you believe this? So now it's like, you know, do we go say, you know, who's going to say something to him, man? Like, what do we do? Let somebody say something to him. So Clip someone, he's the daring one, you know what I'm saying? He'll, you know, talk to anybody and ask you, any, you know, say anything. He's, he's, he's a funny cat. <clears throat> So we all just kind of got our thing together and we all just kind of casually just came walking back <laughs> to the front of the bus and he's just still just watching and then he just kind of sees he's like, what's up, y'all? You know, and we just, you know, just tore in, you know, questions. Yo, man, what's it like? You know, the typical kid questions, man. Who do you listen to? You know, and the coolest thing, man, just kicking it, man. And Buster Rhymes, you know, you guys understand. Buster Rhymes is like one of my all-time favorite rap artists, man. You know what I'm saying? So, and all three of us kind of were the same way. For us to see Buster Rhymes in this capacity, you know, it just made your head explode, dude. You know what I'm saying? And that was my first tour. You know what I'm saying? My first tour. <laughs> so, Very cool. Yeah. It's uh, funny hearing you talk about um, Bruce Willis and, and yeah, how these yeah, funny little guys uh, don't seem like they are in person like they are on screen. And I grew up in, in Los Angeles, so I would see a lot of celebrities. And when I was a teenager, I worked at a movie theater. Uh, Tom Cruise came in one time, and he was with Rebecca DeMornay. They were, like, together at that time. Uh -huh. And, I mean, he was just, like, a, a little yeah, guy, yeah. you know, and he looked like, He's a bunch funny. of nothing, you know, and then in the movies, he's like, you know, this action hero. It's a trip. Yeah, he's about to, he's up no bigger than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's like print size. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, man. Yeah, see, you'd be surprised, man, you know, saying the personas that these cats walk around with, man, and then when you get to actually meet these cats and, you know, and when you actually get to realize that 
you just a regular person, literally, just like I am. <laughs> yep, yep. You even got the same flaws. <laughs> For sure. Um, so, Garrett, what are a few of your very favorite songs from the P-Funk catalog and why? Oh, man. Um, one Nation Under Groove is one because of the melody and the messages in it. Um, that's one. Uh, damn, you know, like I'm telling, I'm not really good with favorites with things like this because I can't necessarily pick a favorite. You know, like I could give you, I'm gonna give you my most favorite of all of them. You know what I mean? Because I can't pick between one. You know, like I can't even really pick between one album and say which one is my favorite. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, like One Nation Under a Groove is one. Um, I know, uh, I know it's hard because there's so many great ones. Yeah, there's a lot of great ones, man. Uh, I, I like, uh, I like, like, uh, if you don't like the effects, don't produce the causes. One that I've always kind of loved. Um, Better by the Pound, one of my favorites. Um, uh, uh, shit, man. Yeah, man. I, I favorite. I don't think I got a favorite, man. You know, it, it just depends on how I'm feeling at the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> However, I'm feeling at the time. You know, I probably got a song for it. You know, what I mean, a, a song in the catalog for it. So. That's where I'm at with it, you know. I got a few favorites. I don't have one favorite in particular, you know. Yeah, well, there's a couple of deep ones there with "Better by the Pound" and yeah, you know, um, yeah, like I, 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 I'm, you know, like past the commercial ones because I guess because I've heard them so much. So you know, I like getting into the ones that, you know, I, I typically end up liking the ones that don't get too much airplay, you know. Yeah. Do you, Do you ever? Uh, Make a uh, little suggestions to George. Maybe incorporate this into the set. Nah, <laughs> not I, yet. Nah, I mean, and some people do, you know. But <clears throat> I honestly, I don't like when people do that. You know, what I'm saying I really just, you know, you know, George knows what he wants to do. You know, he's been doing this for a very long time. You know what I mean? So. You know, like with if anything, with regards to maybe asking him, you know, about something that I might want to perform in the set, you know, um, and it's usually, you know, it like for instance, it, uh, I'm, I end up doing presence of a brain, not something that I asked for or that anybody asked for, you know, we just happened to be in rehearsal one day, me, Danny, and Lige, and uh, Benny, Benzel. Um, and you know, sometimes when we're in sound check, you know, we would just go over songs that, you know, some of us just play some of the songs that we don't get to play that we like in the catalog. And that ended up being one of the ones that we, you know, messed with one day we played it, you know, and I sang through it and George just happened to walk in on the sound check as we were, as we were doing it. And he came up and he said, dude, let me hear y'all do it again. <laughs> so we did it again. And then he was like, that's going in the set. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. So that became a part of the set, you know? So that's how it works to me. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 that's how I work it. You know, that's how I would appreciate uh, That's how I would. Is, would more. Subliminal. It's subliminal. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would more so, you know, more so as opposed to try to, you know, dictate what it is that he's going to do. You know, what I mean, just for, you know, for just for the for the fact of, you know, I don't want to come off, you know, looking like I'm, you know, I don't want to come off looking self-centered, you know, we're individual or groups, you know, so it's like, George, I want to do this song, you know, well, what about everybody else in the group? You know, how does everybody else feel about that? You know, this might not be everybody's favorite song, it might just be your favorite song, you know, so. Well, I know for me, and I think, you know, a lot of longtime followers, I mean, the biggest thrill is when some song is pulled out you haven't heard in a long time and you guys do it so that's always a treat and then a lot of times what goes to that is you know it's like i could we could go to him and ask him to do something like you know one of those songs that we don't always do but until he is actually comfortable with the fact that we actually know those songs is when he would start incorporating them you know what i mean so even if we did ask he probably still would not do it unless he heard us do it. You know what I'm saying? So you got to win him over. Yeah. 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 Like the goose. You guys did that. That was really cool to hear that. Yeah. 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 That was actually one of his, uh, I believe he got on this kick at one point where, you know, you could tell he was uh, kind of wanting to kind of wanting to rehash, I guess that era where, you know, a lot of it was from off of that, um, that 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 album don't that up from the now up for the now stroke album where we was doing like goose and you know uh the presence of a brain came out of that uh we actually started doing up for the down stroke at some point and then uh he started doing testify but he actually started doing the, the original version of testify you know but i could tell it was at a time where he was kind of trying to rehash some of that old era you know what i mean and kind of trying to relive it i could tell so <laughs> i was at a doctor's office the other day and i heard over the thing testify and i was like wow that's not too common very cool uh, um do you have any other favorite bands or acts that are active now um that you listen to and like or who would they be and, and why do you like them uh you know what, these days I have more so been listening to a lot of older era stuff. Um, what do I like that's new now? Uh, I dig what Bruno is doing, Bruno Mars, because I dig the fact that he's kind of, you know, making the era, kind of bringing the era, making the era popular again, you know, kind of it's paving the way for, you know, the funk cast to kind of come out here and make a little bit of noise again. So I like that. Um, <clears throat> I like uh, I like Childish, Childish Gambino's album. You know, even though he, you know, him and his producer, they basically said that they just went and you know copied Funkadelic. You know, for lack of better words, you know that's not what he said. And I'm not accusing you if you ever end up listening to this, uh, Mr. Uh, Glover. I'm not accusing you of, of copying, but. Yeah, they basically did say that they tried their best to mimic the aesthetic. You know, they said that, and I can hear it. So I like all of those records that are, you know, kind of bringing the air around about that era back as far as musicianship, you know, the kind of thing that's lost these days. Um, 
I like Gary Clark Jr. for the same reason, you know what I mean? Bringing the blues back, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> I've been checking out uh, and a lot of Robert Glasper. I'm not the biggest jazz uh, fanatic and, you know, I don't listen to too much jazz, but I've been uh, following his career lately the last few years and checking out how he's been taking off. And I've been kind of digging that, you know, kind of cool. And um, we've been, uh, George has been doing the brain feeder thing. So got a chance to kind of see Thundercat do his thing. I kind of like that. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, uh, 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 I, I got hip to Alabama Shakes a few years ago. I love their shit. They're, you know what they are? They're Funkadelic, but they're not copying Funkadelic either. You know what I'm saying? They're Funkadelic. If you have a good chance to check them out, if you haven't already, they are Funkadelic to me. You know what I'm saying? They are, and I'm talking about uh, when Funkadelic, the edge Funkadelic, some of the beginning Funkadelic shit, you know, they remind me of that almost mother's finish. kind of, you know. She has a real edge. Yeah, they're in that vein to me, you know, so I kind of like their thing. And uh, I'm, I'm probably missing some cats right now, you know. Um, you ever hear, you ever hear uh, Dumpster Funk or? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've done a few shows with them, yeah. I like Lettuce. Them. Oh, yeah, Lettuce. I've, I've come across them a few times, come across them a few times. Um, it's a lot of, uh, there's actually a few funk bands in the uh, New England area that I have been kind of uh, rubbing shoulders with a lot through a mutual friend of mine, uh, his band Kung Fu. I kind of dig them. And uh, <clears throat> what's the other band? Uh, Turquoise, they call themselves. Uh, they kind of got to do the little jam bandy kind of funk, kind of jazzy, jammy kind of funk thing. Been kind of liking that, you know. I have to check that out. I'm not familiar with those two. Okay, I don't know if they have too many records out. They, they, you know, these are most jam bands, so you know they're on a live circuit. Yeah, I'm sure they're on YouTube or something. Yeah, I about to say you just about to say you definitely find them online. So, Garrett, uh, appreciate all this time. Um, I got two more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. Cool. Go for it. Yeah. So, one of the most important questions, and I think we've kind of got into it already, but I want to ask you just point blank. You know. What does funk as a both a musical form, as a concept and a way of life mean mean to you? Uh, um, uh, you know what it is being free of. It, it, funk for me is 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 being free of of uh, everyday constrictions is what it is for me. You know, one nation. It's every bit of that. Um, I'm and I'm quoting these songs right now, but that's exactly what the essence of funk is, and that's what it means to me. Uh, being free of of needing to satisfy the status quo, you know what I mean. Being comfortable within your skin, even if your skin doesn't look like you know the typical shade, or you know. Being comfortable, not being like typical. That's what funk is, man. You know, funk is having pride in being not the normal. It funk to me is being is be, having pride in not necessarily marching the status quo. 
And I'm not talking about anarchy here, of course. You know, I'm just speaking simply um, being free of feeling the need to inhibition, uh, be free of inhibition, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Be free of the feeling the need to have to uh, marry this person if you don't really love them. You know what I mean? Just because you had a baby, just because society is going to say, you had a kid, you're supposed to marry her, and if you don't marry, or, you know, vice versa, if you don't marry him, then, you know, you're going against, you know, that kind of thing. You know, like, I think most of these issues that we have socially in this world stem from the fact that the world wants you to or to, wants you to march the status quo. You know what I'm saying? And at some box. point, and at, yeah, and at some point, the status quo starts to get a little fuzzy as to what the status quo is. You know what I'm saying? But instead of dealing with the fact that the status quo is, you know, changing or, you know, always fuzzy, or always taking on a different shade. It's about dealing with these folks who don't want to march the status quo and just painting that as on, you know, painting that with this brush of, you know, anarchy or, you know, whatever they call it, uh, uh, activism or, you know, being, you know, any of that shit, you know, protesting, you know. Now you're in protest because you don't want to, you know, no, we're individuals for, re people are called individuals for a reason, man, because we are just that. We're all individuals. We all, you know, the, what makes me shit, you know what I'm saying, might motherfucking be, you know, just the nutrient that, you know, that you need to get you right. You know what I'm saying? We're different like that. You know what I'm saying? My brand of music might not be your cup of tea you know what i'm saying and funk is being okay with that you know that's what funk is being okay with that you know y'all like to walk this way well i like to walk that way you know and i'm cool with that you know what i mean i know i look weird i know i look funny you know but once you get funky you've embraced that part you've embraced that you know what i mean that's what funk is to me, dude. It seems almost like some of the uh, values or ideas of the 60s and 70s, you know, to let it all hang out, but put to just an irresistible killer beat and rhythm. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's feel good music, man. And that's what, and that's the ultimate, and that's the ultimate point of any of these protests ones back in the 60s and 70s or any of these current protests the point is the same you know we all just want to feel good you know what I'm saying i just want to be i just want to feel good and i don't want to be frowned upon because i want to feel good you know like look at it like this you know status quo wake up first thing in the morning go to work for eight hours of the day and then by the time you come home, you know, you, you're too tired to enjoy any of the fruits of this labor. You know what I mean? Like next. Yeah, like what's the point in having a night? What's the point in having a home and cars and all this shit if I don't get to enjoy it? You know what I mean? And then if I do decide that I want to sit home and just enjoy, you know, myself and my life or whatever, then... I'm a lazy, I'm a slacker, I'm irresponsible, I'm this, I'm that, you know, 
And it's all from people who are outside looking in, you know what I'm saying? Just painting you with this brush. You know, they don't know for sure. They just paint you with this brush because that's what they do to people who don't march to the beat. You know, so yeah, Funk is 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 saying, you know what, have your status quo, you know, I'm gonna have a good time. That's what it is. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, no doubt about that. Yeah, it's freedom, man. It's it's another kind of freedom, you know. It's the kind of freedom that they should be preaching, you know, not this freedom that they out here selling to the people, you know. Yeah, another uh, booty title, freedom. Yeah, freedom. <laughs> so. That pretty much wrap. I think that's a great place to to wrap this up. Is there anything else you want to get out there to the fans? Make sure tell tell them you know where they can get the record. Tell them where they can keep up with Garrett Scheider. Oh man, all things Starchild Junior and Garrett Scheider at foreverstarchild.com. You can buy my album in in vinyl. You can buy my album in CD, or you can find the link to the download at my website. And everything else is going on with me. And stay tuned because we about to get into some merchandise too. It's gonna take off from here, man. It's gonna be a fun, funky, good time, fun with the K, all of that. I just want to say to the people, one nation and one love, man. For real. It's more than just music, man. You know, those messages, you know, especially right about now, hitting home, you know. They're hitting home, so we need that now more than ever, man. One nation and one love. Amen. Well, I pledged to One Nation a long time ago, so I'm right with you. Yeah, man. All right, I'm going to wrap this up, so hang tight. You got it. Um, time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. want to thank you so much again to Garrett Scheider, uh, new-gen leader of uh, the P-Funk Mob, or if not a leader, a key component. Um, thank you so much for spending time on the show, Garrett. Thank you for having me, man. Be sure to look out for previous installments of Truth and Rhythm episodes. Um, and uh, they're at funkinstuff.net on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading outlets. If you want to see a particular artist on the show, or maybe you're an artist who wants to be on the show, drop me an email at scottg at funkinstuff.net and we'll try to make it happen. So with that, this is Scott, Dr. GX Goldfine, as always, and on behalf of Garrett Scheider, saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one.